Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hello, friends. This is Caleb Suko, host of the Now is the Time podcast, coming to you from Odessa, Ukraine, to tell you that you are listening to one of my favorite podcasts on missions, the Engaging Missions podcast with host Brian Ensminger. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi there, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. In this week's episode, we're going to be starting a new series, probably eight episodes long or so, where we're going to be focusing on involving children in ministry. Now, this is something that I hope will be valuable, not only for ministers, for missionaries, for church planters, but also for those of us who are called into the marketplace. I think a lot of times when we think about missionaries, we think that perhaps children go with them to another country as an accessory, that perhaps they're sent off to a boarding school or that, uh, you know, they're homeschooled and they don't really get out in the community that, that much. But I don't think that's always the case. And so we're going to learn from missionaries and from church planters some of the ways that they're involving children in their ministry, in their ministries. Now, for those of us in the marketplace, I think this is really valuable because even if we're not involved in vocational ministry, there's an opportunity for us to take our children with us when we minister. Anything from involving them in service ministry, you know, supporting something that's going on or taking them with us to do that kind of thing, as well as involving them in proclaiming the gospel and training others to do the same. So I think that's this is really valuable. And I do want to say that obviously there are times and places and particular ministries where it's not appropriate to do this. Maybe the content isn't appropriate for their age or their development, or maybe it's not appropriate because you're dealing with things where people might not be comfortable sharing that. So I'm not trying to tell you to to do that kind of thing at all. Obviously, you're going to have to use your own judgment. But I do want to make this available because I think it's valuable for those of us who are raising children, for those of us who are involved in the lives of grandchildren, or perhaps mentoring young people, teaching them in classes, that kind of thing, that there's a whole different level beyond just telling them and beyond just modeling, but also involving them with us. The show notes for today's episode will be at engagingmissions.com slash Justin and Josiah. With that, we're going to get right into it. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Today, I'm really excited to introduce to you Justin and Josiah Steidinger. And I'm really interested in this topic because I remember when I was a young boy, the times that my dad took me aside and prayed with me and poured that into my life. And I see a generation of people who are being poured into by their parents. And in this case, it's specific in ministry. So Justin has begun involving his children in ministry, and I'm really happy to have them. In fact, they just recently returned from a short-term trip to Myanmar, which was formerly known as Burma. So Justin and Josiah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Now, it's it's really great to have you. I guess I should have said this as well when we got started. I've known Justin for quite some time now, probably pushing 20 years, but we haven't really talked in the last few. And then he's just kind of shown back up on my radar recently, and I'm really excited about this. Now, Justin, to start this off, you kind of wanted to share a quick overview of your story. So would you mind doing that? Yeah. Uh, just give you the 60 to 90 second. Um, you know, I've, I have spent... 
um, probably the last 20 years in church ministry and leadership, um, starting out in my teenage years playing in the youth worship band all the way up to uh, the pastorate in some capacity. And uh, about a year ago, God just started to uh, hit me with my family knew a lot about how to do church, mm-hmm. uh, probably all angles of doing church, but had because of all of the doing church we had done, we hadn't become very good at being the church. Mm-hmm. And so it really encouraged us to uh, step down from church leadership and begin uh, focusing on how to be the church. And that's led to a number of opportunities and uh, and a good part of that being very missions-minded and, and some things overseas as well as domestically. So um, a large part of that for me and my prayer has been that I don't want to be the minister who always is going and doing ministry while my family's off on an island doing their thing. Right. I have dreams and visions about my, my children standing next to me while we're praying for people and my children working with us in ministry and, and in operating their gifts as part of that and, and it becoming a family affair. And so um, that's sort of what led to this opportunity is last October when I went um, to Asia, uh, Josiah had mentioned that he would like to join me. And so we had an opportunity to go again here in April and, and he went with me on this trip. So Okay, really cool. Now, Josiah, have you always been involved with ministry with your parents or is this kind of a new thing for you? Well, um, I've always been like aware of that I would be one day going up and healing and stuff. Okay. But uh, when we went to Myanmar, it was a totally new experience from what I thought. Okay, tell me more about that. So when we uh, went to Myanmar, most of the people there had not very much food, and they made different things, a lot more of veggies and fruits rather than meats. And since they couldn't kill cows, they didn't have steak, which a lot of people like. Yeah, especially people like you, perhaps? Well, actually, I don't like steak, but um, it's kind of strange, yeah. But um, since we live in America and everything's uh, more expensive... They had like $2 meals at McDonald's. Okay. Cool. So, Justin, have your kids always been involved? And if not, why not up until now? I would say as far as the doing church aspect, they've always been involved. Uh, Mm -hmm. We did a lot of uh, church starts and plants, and uh, we do a lot of stuff where we would set up on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. Um, Many times my boys would be involved, or my daughter as well would come, and they they know how to set up sound systems and stages and drums and breakdown stuff. And, and, uh, they've always been sort of involved in, in the setup and the tear down and doing that stuff. Um, they've also been involved a little bit in just sort of helping folks that we come across. Our family has sort of adopted the idea that our bank account is God's bank account. The money that's in that account belongs to him and is limitless. And, uh, and so while it may appear that there's not money in there, when we see someone in need, we, we take care of them, mm-hmm. and the need is always met on our side. And and so they know that, and they are always looking for opportunities to give when we're around folks or we see somebody on the side of the road. So so that's always been a part of them, um, and I would call that sort of um, – I sort of think of that as like passive ministry maybe. You're doing it because you're, you're as you go out into life, mm-hmm. this has been more of a focus towards active where we're intentionally going to move out into something – and, uh, and go in a certain direction. So Okay, and it's, it's interesting that you make that distinction because while you were sharing that, what I was thinking about was um, that up until now, I think maybe a lot of the ministry has been service-based. We're serving or supporting things that God's doing. And yeah. now it seems like you're shifting and you're becoming more actively involved in direct ministry. Is that? Uh, I, that would be accurate, yeah. Focused with the people, ministering to the people directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So what was it that led to that change? What was it that made you go, let's change this up? Well, a lot of it was, uh, as I mentioned, kind of kicking things off where um, we'd gotten really good at doing church. And I just felt like the Lord was saying that uh, there's a lot more to this. And um, and so I was very focused on, you know, what's going on on Sunday and throughout the week and with the people in my local body. And I just started realizing that I'd, I've become very good at doing that stuff, mm-hmm. but... Um, and while there was growth there, um, I wasn't sure if my heart was being satisfied and being able to really reach people the way Jesus did. And uh, as I read more about the life of Christ and just continued to, to, to just soak up the Word of God, I just kind of reached a point where I decided that it was time for our family and the, through the Holy Spirit's leading our family to be the church and, and start focusing on how we do things practically outside of church. 
Um, and that's really what led to this. It started a little over a year ago. Really, it began about two and a half years ago, but, but a year ago is uh, when, we, when God just sort of said, it's time to step down from church leadership and go do this stuff. And that's kind of what, what thrust us into this. Okay. So since this transition, what's changed in your lives? Well, uh, one interesting thing has been that um, the uh, home church environment we do at our house with the kids, prior mm-hmm. to that, you know, we, we'd pray at our meals. We might have a Bible study with the family, but we started having like church in the house, realizing that a church is a very simple thing when you look at Jesus talking about where two or three are gathered. And so we started doing church as a family um, in our house, and we would do some songs. And um, we would sing songs that were fun that the kids enjoyed, but we would also talk about stuff that both uh, God and, I mean, both the adults and the kids could get into. And a great example of that was a few weeks before we went to uh, Myanmar, we actually had a um, a uh, time with the family where we talked about contextualizing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And how we don't have to have the rigid stories that Jesus shared, but we can share the stories uh, and the ideas that he shared in a context for a people. And mm-hmm. so I started getting the boys to practice sharing the story like they were talking with uh, a friend at school or a friend at the skate center. And so when they were talking about the story that they used was the story of the two debtors, one that owned a great debt and uh, to a king. And the king forgives him who turns around and then goes to his friend and says, pay me the money that you owe me and throws him in prison. And we took that and turned it into a contextualized story where uh, one of the skate guys at the skate center that they skate at a lot and have a lot of friends there was loaned a pair of skates from a pro skater. Mm. And the guy finally said, you know what, keep them, don't pay me for them. And they went through this contextualization process of, of how that works. So that's, that's one of the things that's really changed is, is our family church time mm-hmm. um, and how we grow as a family and, and talking about what ministry means as a family has been a big part of that. Okay. So Josiah, for you, as, as this has begun to change in your family and going to, you know, doing church at home versus going to church, if you will, how has that changed your relationship with God? Well, we've gotten into a lot more specific stuff, and okay. if we have questions, I'm more bold to speak out. And in, conte- in contextualization, I've been learning a lot more about uh, speaking in public. Oh, cool. To, like, groups of people. So we told a few stories while we were in Myanmar. So as I'm thinking about this, obviously a lot of things changed. I'm wondering, were there any fears or any roadblocks to overcome as you started getting involved and changing the way your family was involved? Um, yeah, you know, there was, there was some fear that had happened for a couple of years. And then as this changed, it even became more prevalent for me is because we've always been involved sort of in small starting churches or startup mm-hmm. churches, our kids have not been ever really involved in a, um, a strong children's like big children's ministry. Right. And even now we don't really have a youth group that they're really plugged into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, th- I think our culture looks at that as a really negative thing and that we need that. Um, but I'm also really excited that in the midst of that, while we've been doing ministry and these things that we see fruit in our children that I'm, I'm afraid may not have existed if we had been involved in, in some of that stuff. And, and so I'm not saying it's bad. It just there, I, my wife and I had some fears about how that would affect them, mm-hmm. uh, negatively. But over the last year, I think I've started to see where positively it actually has been really good because, um, for them, their faith is not just a um, churchy faith. It's like, this is my life. This mm-hmm. is who I am. And, uh, and that's been really exciting for us to see that. So it was, it was some fear that we had early on, though, that this, I, my kids have to be involved. They have to go to church. They have to have these things. And I just began to realize that it was really us. If my wife and I could teach them the word of God and, and, uh, and disciple them properly that, that that may not be as important as I thought it was in the beginning. Okay. And as you're thinking about some of those changes, you mentioned that you've seen some fruit that you didn't necessarily expect at first. Can you share, share a little bit more about that? Well, one of the exciting things for me was with Josiah, um, this was probably five years ago. All of a sudden he started struggling at nights, going to sleep and um, just would stay up late and having fear. And I remember coming in one night and, um, and talking with him about 
um, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Mm. And then talking about um, how we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and darkness of this world. And talked about then Hebrews, how the Bible is the two-edged sword that we use. And I began to tell him that when he gets afraid at night and has trouble sleeping, just get out his Bible and read. And so one of the things that's really kind of lit him on fire was he had at the time, um, you know, he's 11 now. So he was six at the time. He had a picture Bible. Okay. He began going through it. And over the course of six months, he went through his 200 page picture Bible like five times um, every night going through it and reading it. And um, and then we got him another picture Bible that had a lot more words with it, more like a 600-page Bible. Okay. Um, and he went through that about three times. And it really started, you know, for him developing like the stories and understanding those stories. Mm-hmm. And when we started doing it, then doing churches as uh, with our family at home, when I would bring up a story, he would know the, the story, he'd know the details, and oftentimes be able to go find it in his you know, now adult Bible because he had been through that. So I think uh, for me, I was really excited that that laid such a really strong foundation for him. So that was a good fruit um, that came out of that. And then also just with my kids, um, you know, for me, the the power of God, the gifts of healing and and miracles and the gifts we talk about um, are very real and active in our lives. And so I've actually seen my children come in when they get a headache and ask me to pray first um, and, and see it leave immediately. I mean, just one story from last year, Josiah came in while I was on a conference call with, with somebody and said he had a headache. And, you know, there's this drive as a parent to want to say, I'm busy. Yeah. Leave me alone. And, uh, and so I just, I remember saying to the person I was talking to, can you give me a minute? And uh, I said, my son needs something and, and just put the phone on mute and just went over and prayed a very simple prayer for his head and just commanded the pain to leave in the name of Jesus. And, um, and after I prayed, I looked at him and he's like, nah, I still feel it. And we prayed a second time and I'll never forget him looking at me with a smile and being like, <laughs> yep, that did it. Thanks dad. And leaving. And I go back to my conference call and I just think about how much better that is as a family dynamic versus the, I mean, if I had said to him, I'm busy, leave me alone, how I would have missed that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so there's little, there's lots of little stories I could share for hours like that, but just things like that have been really, um, really beneficial for the kids and for our family. Cool. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more to how the kids are involved in ministry and a little bit more about your recent trip. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the foundational missions leadership moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, it's Scott McClellan with your Leadership Moment. Thanks for joining us. We're in the middle of a series right now on overcoming obstacles on the path to influence. We're also hoping to shine a little bit of light on how we may have been hurt or hurt someone in the leader-follower relationship in the interest of helping healing come and us go forward and advance no matter what's happened in our past. It is possible And you can do it. What started this thought or grouping of thoughts relative to obstacles on the path to influence was something I read many years ago. Someone said that there are few. I'm thinking that's talking about as a percentage of those people who are called to leadership who successfully navigate the obstacles to realize their calling in full. And I believe this is true after some years of experience and contemplation around the subject. Now, so far on this series, we've talked about injuries and insecurities. We've talked about communication and misunderstanding and expectations as well. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the mentoring relationship. And in future, we're going to talk about jealousy, dishonoring attitudes, and relationship transition. So join us for those, and and hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. If you'd like to give us feedback of any kind, please do so at fxmissions.com. Is the mentoring relationship needed from everyone we respect and listen to and hope to receive from? Is a mentoring relationship needed from everyone we respect and listen to and hope to be impacted by? Here's a question put a different way. Do we expect to get personal and direct time 
with everyone we see and respect as a leader. Is such personal and direct time necessary in order for us to onboard something that these people or individuals have to contribute to us? Many years ago, I was listening to a tape, I believe it was, on from John Maxwell on the subject of developing the leader within you. And he unlocked my mind around this subject, basically saying that if you have access, direct and immediate access to a person who's imparting to you in your preparation for influence, it's all the better. It's like a over-the-top win, but it's not necessary. Now, he may not have said those words exactly like that, but the things that he said made me realize that, that some of the people that God intended to impart to me in my preparation and on my road toward influence, I would never have direct and immediate access to, and they may never know my name. This was something of a revelation to me, and I was thankful to receive it. Maybe it's coming to you also as, as a new way to look at it. Here's what I've learned. We need to focus on receiving what the Lord is trying to give us through whomever he wants to use to hand it off and focus on him, Jesus, as the source. Jesus said, come to me and I will teach you. This needs to be our central belief on the subject of mentorship. We need to look to the Lord for this, for being mentored, and ask him to help us recognize whom he's using, who he plans to use, who he may use in the future, so that we can see what God is showing us, what we can see what God is trying to give to us, and we can see that this effort, that is his effort, to see us rise to full maturity, gets done to his satisfaction. After all, it is his, Jesus's, responsibility and one that he will make good on if we will heed his advice, act on his encouragement. Come unto me and I will teach you. This is Scott McClelland for the Leadership Moment. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, have a good one. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters. All right, we're back with Justin and Josiah. We've talked a little bit about what was happening and how they've begun to involve their kids in ministry, but now we're going to shift our focus because they've got some stories to tell. However, before we get into those stories, Justin, I'd like to know, how exactly do you have your kids involved in active ministry? Uh, Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that started for us maybe early on was I, I was sort of rejected this mindset that um, kids need to be on the sideline, right? right? And it, today we have nurseries and we have children's church. We have all the way through. And it seems to me that a lot of people that I would meet really, um, you know, the, the movie came out, um, um, Mom's Night Out. Have you ever seen that Mom's Night Out uh-uh. movie? I remember in that movie early on, one of the moms going to church just so she could have the hour break while her kids were in nursery. Okay, yeah. I think sometimes as parents, we think about it that way. Like, uh, you know, I need this time to focus. My kids need to go over here. They're going to be a distraction. And I think for us, um, I never really held to the idea that they had to go to children's church. I mean, I'd love for them to go and learn something, but sometimes they go in and they're not even learning. In some cases, churches are just babysitting. Mm-hmm. So we've always tried to just kind of not allow the fact that we have children deter us from getting together doing ministry, uh, having a gathering at our house, whatever is the case, we've just always in- included them and let them see it. And sometimes, you know, there's a distraction and sometimes there's not, but we've always just kind of kept them involved. And I think that if we would just allow our kids to maybe change our opinion of how that works, let our kids be involved more, mm-hmm. um, it would pour into them and shape them better. So that, that's kind of how we started with it. And uh, so whatever we do, they do. Okay. 
Now, one of the things, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a jump to go from, we've started involving our kids in home groups or in, in active ministry to go, and by the way, I'm taking one of them with me to a country <laughs> on the other side of the world with a completely different perspective on life, different religion, everything's different, right? So how did you get from here to there? Um, well, quite simply, my son asked if he could go and, um, and wanting him to be involved in ministry and knowing that it would be life changing for him, Mm -hmm. I wanted him to go. And so when the opportunity came, um, I didn't really question it much. Uh, I had, you know, I knew that there were some areas that we had gone before that were a little more, uh, secure Mm -hmm. conscious or security concerns. I may not take them there. Mm -hmm. Um, but we didn't have that planned for this trip. And so um, my friend, Sean Steckbeck was going to be joining us. He was kind of heading up the trip and we were going to meet him there and his daughter was coming as well. So it worked out great. Josiah and my honor friends and have met each other before, know each other. So it was a chance for us to go. There'd be a couple of kids that know each other that are friends that can do ministry with their parents who do ministry together. And mm-hmm. so this is like a, a multi-generational partnership, if you will, oh, yeah. <laughs> doing the, doing the kingdom. So for me, it wasn't a lot of, um, uh, deliberation. I, I gave the Lord, I was talking to the Lord and I said, there's just three things that got to work out Lord. And he's got to be able to get his visa mm-hmm. and got to get his passport in time. And his school has to agree that he can have the time off because we were taking two weeks in the nice. middle of the school, you know, semester it wasn't like during spring break. And, uh, and God just boom, 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 made it all happen like smooth. So it, it worked out and we just took off and did it. So Josiah, I just want to encourage you because when I was your age and I was in church hearing missionary stories about the things that happened, I was not asking God for an opportunity to go. I was asking God to not send me. So that's a really big thing, right? That to to have that desire to go. If I could put you on the spot for just a second, what what made you think, hey, I want to go? Well, I wanted to have a new experience and I wanted to learn more about uh, the way God moves. Like the Holy Spirit moves through people. Yeah. I wanted to see healing that I haven't seen major miracles before, but I had witnessed small healings like headaches being healed. Okay. Yeah. So those experiences, right? There were, I was following you guys on Facebook and there were a ton of experiences. I'd like to maybe hear one or two stories of the things that God did while you were over there. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll start with it. We, we could go on for hours probably because it was amazing. Um, and there's all kinds of things that I even learned in the process just from that particular trip. But one of the one of the really powerful ones was that we, we'd go into these villages and uh, it's 105 degrees and they've gathered to meet with us mm-hmm. um, because this is, in this case, it's part of a network. So they already know that, that we're coming and they have some people that may not be believers or are new believers or uh, they're seeking God and, and uh, learning about Jesus. We walked into this one village, and as we pulled up in, in the truck and got out, um, I don't speak the language, but I see this mother who is sitting on this under this tree in the shade where we're going to meet holding this child that is just deformed, really bad. And I shouldn't say deformed, but like her head was twisted back, her arms were bent out of shape. And um, man, my heart broke mm. because the, I could tell that this mother had to hold this child often. And, uh, and I thought, you know, here we are where you've got seven houses surrounding one village hand pump and you pump water into a bucket and that's what you wash with and that's what you drink and that's what you, everything. Uh, there's no electricity. And I thought, what kind of life is this child going to have growing up? And my heart, the compassion in me just kind of took over and I just went up and asked the mom if I could hold her baby. And she gave the baby to me. And, and I remember sitting down on the bench and I sort of turned that particular event over, that meeting, that gathering over to Sean and Josiah and my aunt and said, hey, you guys run with it. You know, this time I'm going to, I want to just hold this baby. And I remember speaking to the baby and just, and commanding the sickness to leave her body. Um, I'd learned that, that when she was three days old, she had contracted polio and it had damaged some nerves and left her this way. Um, and so there's all kinds of problems from it. But um, she was now five years old and looked like about a two-year-old. Um, there was no okay. muscle, no strength in her body. In any case, as we began uh, speaking life to her, and, and um, uh, uh, I began just commanding her to be healed and, and, and the nerves to be put back together and the muscles to work and all brain function to work, all this stuff, there just was some challenge going on there. She would cry sometimes when I would speak to her and tell, you know, tell the, the, the devil to leave her alone and all this. And for two hours we went on and we, we saw nothing. Um, and I kind of went away going, okay, I don't, I don't get this God. Like mm-hmm. your word says 
that, that believers lay hands on the sick, they're healed. And, and I went in and I did this and we've been seeing people that have blind eyes open and we've had deaf ears healed. And I, I sort of had this, why did you got to pick the biggest guy in the room sort of mentality <laughs> as I walked away. Um, but what was really powerful was I never stopped believing that she was healed. And the next morning we actually got a phone call from the mother and she was, you couldn't even, I mean, she just was ecstatic that for the first time in her life, she was sitting up on her own and holding her head up. And, and she was saying she's healed, she's healed. And, and then one of the other network leaders called and said that there were these 14 villages that heard about this polio baby getting healed and they want us to come, come pray for their sick and, and show them the power of God. And it was just amazing to see that stuff happen. Um, we saw so many things like that. And that became sort of a, that story really carried through villages and, and became a talking point as we go into places and really build people's faith. And, and so that, that's one example, um, of the stories that we saw. And there are hundreds of things like that. Wow. That's great. Now it's, it's my opinion as I read scripture that God does these kinds of things because he loves people, but he also often does them with a purpose and it's usually to reveal his son, right? Sure. So can you share a little bit also about what God did because of the things you saw him do? Yeah. So um, usually we, when we would come into a place, um, there were some subset of people who had already believed and had been baptized and following Christ. And then people that were, uh, um, you know, seeking Jesus, you know, they, and then there were complete unbelievers and, and they were Buddhists and they, you know, they knew nothing. Um, in almost every village that we would go to, um, the people that saw the power of God, the people that had folks that got healed and saw this happen and heard the stories and, um, almost every village we would have people um, that would want to follow Jesus, ask to be baptized and decide they want to follow Jesus. And so, um, you know, every village was a little bit different, but sort of the standard was we would go in, we would tell some stories about Jesus and who he was um, and his power. We would start praying for people. They would see the sick get healed. Um, They'd understand um, through some gospel bridges um, how Jesus is the Mm -hmm. one that they need to follow and they'd ask to be baptized and we would, we would go baptize them. Um, and then we have network leaders that are there, people that are part of our network that are already there, that are indigenous and local that will continue to work with them. And, um, and so put it simply, I think that um, white skin, white hair and, right. and the power of God and these things that, that happen with that, it is nothing more than uh, to draw a crowd. It draws a crowd of people that want to come to see Christ and see his power and see him work. And the result is people that um, want to want to start to follow him. Cool. Josiah, did you see anything that surprised you while you were over there? Well, it was my first experience with the word of knowledge. It was um, very surprising. Um, but Sean had, uh, he said, there's somebody here with a left ear that is deaf. And then uh, of like... Ten seconds later, a boy stood up. Our translator uh, told us that uh, he had his left ear was deaf, and it was very amazing to see that Sean had gotten it like he he had it right. And I was very surprised, but in the end, I started getting words of knowledge, and I was feeling much better about being in Myanmar, being feeling much better about my missions trip. Yeah, can you do you mind sharing, Josiah? Like when you got your first word of knowledge, um, how that happened and what it, what it was like for you and then how we prayed for somebody. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I got a word of knowledge in um, it, probably our third day, but it was our first village and it was still day, but we uh, went in, we were, everybody was praying, Sean and my dad were praying and me and my aunt were just talking and then I got a word of knowledge and she said that she did at the same exact time. And I said that mine was somebody had a left leg that was very in pain. She said, the same person that you said has nausea. And it turned out that the person who owned the house we were meeting in was the person with both. So we prayed together for him. And the first time it didn't work. But we, we commanded it the second time and it um, it left. Yeah, both the pain and the nausea, right? The pain and the nausea. The yeah. nausea stayed the third time, but we commanded it out the third time. So And it left. Wow, good, good. So if I'm to sum up what I think I just heard you say, God revealed something to the two of you that you didn't know before about somebody that was there. And when you prayed for them, the two pieces of sickness went away. Is that 
Yes, but they didn't go back. They didn't go away the first time. Right. We had to command them out. To, so, so there's value in persevering in prayer. Hmm. Yes. Who taught you that? Um, God and my dad. Very cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm just really excited. This. This to me is really exciting. And I guess you know, for for the people listening, not everybody necessarily is going to know what a word of knowledge is because we we have. A, a wide variety of people from a wide variety of traditions who listen to the show. So Justin, would you mind sharing just a little bit about what a word of knowledge is? Yeah. So a word of knowledge can be, um, be a number of things, but usually it's um, a bit of knowledge or information um, about someone that you normally wouldn't know otherwise. So it's not usually through something that you can see or hear, um, but you you suddenly, um, it's like you know something about somebody or you, you get some information. And what is so powerful, I think, about uh, Josiah's story is he had received a word of knowledge that he was, that somebody had pain in their left leg. And for then Mayan to get a word of knowledge that someone else had this nausea problem and it was the same person. Mm. And them to say that in a setting like that and then and then actually have somebody there stand up and say, I have both of these things is really powerful. So, yeah, it's, uh, the word of knowledge is, uh, is just knowing something like that that you wouldn't know otherwise that God reveals to you for the purpose of his glory. Right. And, and when God does these kinds of things, he doesn't, he doesn't waste anything, right? He does something because he's doing something really valuable for the person who was on the other end of the prayer but that also did something in your life and in your faith. Is that accurate? <laughs> did, did that change your opinion or your view of what God does and how he does it? Wait, repeat the question. So when, when you prayed and she was healed, right? Mm-hmm. Did that change anything about your experience and your, your understanding of God? It made me uh, feel a lot better about myself and how uh, praying for people. Oh. It really changed my experience. And I, what I noticed from a father's perspective was... Um, from that experience, it began to happen then repeatedly. It was like once he received something from the Holy Spirit and obeyed it, it, he began to operate in it pretty regularly. So we'd go places and they would start seeing things regularly or having words of knowledge like that regularly. And that was really exciting for me to see him start to operate in that. So Okay, cool. Well, with that, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the listeners. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. We see that there's two types of people in the world. Uh, there's people who are far from God, and we want to share the gospel with them and then offer to train those who believe to uh, obey Jesus. And then there's people that are followers of Jesus, and we want to offer to train them. And uh, so part of our role as catalysts is, is training. And uh, so, you know, you heard earlier uh, that... Uh, the kids accidentally came to a training and God used them there. Well, we, we shortly after transition and not only them attending trainings, um, we started to utilize them in trainings. Uh, I was meeting with a, a pastor and, and uh, he and I were just training some of his folks and they just could not get it. So out of frustration, I just said, Hey, Malachi, will you show them? And he, he trained them in a gospel tool and it clicked. And I realized, Oh my goodness, like he can train too. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, so we're back with Justin and Josiah. And during the break, Justin and I were talking and there's a story that we hadn't gotten to yet. And I really want to I want to have an opportunity to share that. So Justin, I'm not going to frame this up. You just take it away. Yeah, sure. Um, so the story is about the, the Palong people. Uh, they're outside of a town called Kalal in uh, Shan State, Myanmar. And they are a Buddhist culture. They live in the mountains near mm-hmm. there. And we had, uh, our network leader there had been trying to get to these villages through a, a contact who had been resistant, but he had followed us to a place that morning and saw someone get healed. And he believed that there was a need for us to go to this particular village. So about four o'clock in the evening, we drove through these mountains and beautiful views into this village where they were meeting at the monastery for their evening worship as a group, about 250 people mm-hmm. under this giant Buddha tree next to the monastery. And as we pull into town, they, they do not know we're coming. It's completely um, unplanned. And they're very excited to see foreigners. And so... um 
we get out and it's like, hey, come and sit with us and sit down and they're offering you bananas and they're offering you crackers and, you know, you want to you want to be courteous um, and you want to take those things. I, we were even offered some of their hand rolled cigars that they had there. And, <laughs> you know, the kids obviously didn't want to smoke those at all. And, and I'm not a smoker, but I thought, well, I'll light a cigar so that I can make these people happy. And we're sitting there talking to these people and they're, they're just it's, – it's great. But our network leader is to my right and she begins to pray for a woman. And and keep in mind, these people have never heard the gospel. They do not know Jesus. They've not mm-hmm. been exposed to anything that we would call Christianity in our in our lives. But um, she begins praying for this lady, and then she turns to Sean, who's right next to me, and says, "Sean, Sean, pray for this lady here. She needs prayer." And Sean starts praying for her while Josiah, Mayan, and I are kind of talking with the kids and the people that are there. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says get ready. This is about to get real. And for me, I was like, can we pause for just a second? Did you share that with anybody? The, this is about to get real. Yeah. With them. So what was your first thought when you heard your dad say, this is about to get real? There'd be a lot of people pray, uh, for praying, but I didn't notice how many people were going to be there. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So, so the Holy Spirit spoke and said, this is about to get real. And I leaned over to Josiah and said that I said, guys, I hope you're ready. This is about to get real. And about 20 seconds later, one of the two ladies gets healed. And when she does, it creates a commotion. Mm. And so then our network leader starts saying, here, here, Justin, pray for this lady. And we start praying. And um, so a lady with blind eyes starts to see. And when she starts to see um, it, it turns into a commotion like people are coming up right and left. You know, it's almost it, they weren't fighting, but it was sort of a I'm grabbing you to tell you to, you know, take my hand. They would mm-hmm. grab me and say, here, pray for me, pray for me, while somebody else is saying the same thing and they're telling them, no, wait. And uh, and suddenly they saw that this was real and they wanted it. And while we were there, it was there were so many things that, that happened that um, there was no room to argue, like, is this from – the Bible or not, you know, right. people are, are being, um, I'll never forget Sean's praying for a lady and all of a sudden she just falls back on the ground. Like she passed out and that's questionable. A lot of people would question like, you know, what is right. that? And is it legitimate? But this is not someone who is exposed to, to, to Pentecostalism or, or charismatic, you know, charismaniacs or anything like that. Right. right. This is, this is, uh, <laughs> this is something where these people have no reason to support this and it's happening. And when she goes back on the ground, the whole village is like, oh, they freak out and they run around her. Um, and they're afraid that she had a heart attack. And we learned that she had a heart condition. And that was what she'd asked Sean to pray for. And Sean starts explaining, no, 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 she, she's, she's okay. This is God. This is the power of God. Just let her go. And she's like, kind of laying there and wakes up after having this vision. And so it's like people were getting healed. We, I think we had like eight blind eyes or mostly blind eyes that were healed, six or seven people that had hearing problems or deaf ears that, that were healed from it, uh, a number of other things, paralysis and, and, um, and numbness from stroke that, that was healed. Um, and you just kind of got thrust into it. Josiah and Mayan kind of worked together as a team. Sean was on his own. I was on my own and our mm-hmm. network leader. And we just just began praying with people. And, and it completely opened the door for the gospel into this community of people that are are Buddhists and really have no reason to um, entertain healing as some sort of thing right. other than they saw it, it was real, and now they want to learn more about Jesus. And that's what's awesome about it. So That's, that's really cool. So if, the, if I remember right, this is a, a city that or a village that has never, ever been exposed to the gospel. Yes. They, they don't know. They've not met. Um, they've never, I don't even know that most of them met Westerners before. Okay. Um, they, uh, they've not had, I mean, the guy that let us in there was a sort of like a mayor of that village, but okay. they have like, they're more like governors over multiple villages. He allowed us to go in and work with these people and um, um, they had not been exposed to it before at all. Most of them stay in that village, grow crops in that village. They don't go outside of that village ever. So, and this is the first time that anyone had gone to this village for the purpose of taking Jesus there. Okay. And when you left, you left believers behind, right? Well, so this kind of opened up the door to people who want to learn more. So in this particular village, we didn't, we didn't baptize anybody in this case. It was in the evening. They don't have electricity in the village. So once it gets dark, people start heading back to their houses. Um, so by seven o'clock, people were starting to head back to their houses and we were still praying for folks. Um, but there's follow-up, like now the door is open, okay. both from the governor and from people who want folks to come back. So now we have, 
network leaders and, and we'll go back there again ourselves into this village where we'll, we will find believers now that are starting to follow Christ and, uh, and it'll continue to grow from there. So, yeah. Okay. So then f- for those of you who are listening, I would just like to encourage you, hold this village up in prayer. Yeah. If God sent people there and God did stuff and he drew a crowd and created a spectacle so that his son could be exalted, then I believe he wants to do something. So I just ask you to pray, invest in this work, whether even if it's not financially, I mean, there may not even be a way for you to do that, but invest your prayers in this because God's doing something in the world. Now, Justin, if somebody's listened to this and they've made it this far and they're going, I want my kids involved in whatever ministry I do, or I want my kids to see this kind of thing. What's a resource that you might point them toward? Wow. Um, well, the Bible is always my resource to go back to. Um, that's the resource that I primarily used. Um, you know, Jesus saying, let the little children come unto me and don't hinder them. Mm-hmm. And hearing stories about him holding, you know, we see pictures of him that people have drawn, obviously. They weren't taken. Right. <laughs> but pictures of him holding a child while he's talking to the crowds. Um, I, I really encourage people to start there and and start with... Um, what I'm doing, whether I'm, you know, playing music on a stage at a, you know, with a worship team, if my mm-hmm. child wants to come up there and sit down in the seat next to me while I'm playing, or they want to be involved in that, um, let let me let that happen a little bit. If I'm uh, if I'm going to go feed the homeless, or I'm going to do servant things like that, I'm going to let my child go and experience it. Um, and the biggest thing I would say, just as an encouragement, is to always try to do that in love, in the sense of. Um, don't turn it into a situation where you're telling them all the time, you have to do this. This is what Jesus wants. This is what we do in, in, a, in a sort of a um, slave driver sort of way, but more from love in a sense of, you know, drawing them or leading them by example is better, a much better way to go about it. Um, so that, that would be my first encouragement. And, uh, and certainly if folks had questions or things like that, I, they're welcome to contact me and we can talk about things that, that, uh, that we've done and things yeah. we've learned from. That's certainly an option as well. Okay. And if somebody does want to co- connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, so I, uh, you actually can reach out to contact.luke648.com. Um, it's a, a site that I'm just starting to launch right now, but um, I've got some contact information there that goes to, it's actually pointed to our uh, Global Catalytic Network site, which is the international missions group that we work with. And uh, you can get some information there. Connect with me on Facebook, Justin Steidinger. Um, and uh, they're certainly welcome to email me as well. The, all those links are on that page as well. So okay. they can email and, and maybe in the show notes, you can post some of that information for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That will all be linked up in the show notes. And Fantastic. those will be at engagingmissions.com slash Justin and Josiah. So that makes it easy for you guys to remember. Engagingmissions.com slash Justin and Josiah. Now... If you were going to encourage somebody to take one step today to start involving their kids, what's that thing that you would encourage them to do? I would say the biggest step in that direction is to to stop viewing our children like they are um, a hindrance to ministry or that they get in the way of ministry. Mm. Obviously, it it can add some challenge to it. But um, at times, and and certainly with the younger children, that's the case. But but whether you're going to go knock on doors, whether you're going to go feed the hungry, whether you're going to give money to the guy on the side of the street that's asking for a few bucks, um, whatever it is that you're going to do, let your kids be involved in it. If you're going to pull up and you see a homeless man on the side of the road, for example, give the money to your child and let them give it to the kid uh, or give, give that to the homeless person. Mm-hmm. Um you know, whatever you're doing, try to take opportunities to, to, you know, obviously your heart is the one leading it, but give them that chance to do it. That would be my biggest thing is to tr- start pulling your kids in and letting them work with you. Find ways in some capacity for them to get involved in what you're doing. Even if you're the one really doing the, the lifting and you're just letting them push a button, you know, mm-hmm. they are there, they see it, they feel important with just that little bitty button that they're pushing or that little thing that they're doing. And, and that is going to grow over time into them wanting to do more and, and being faithful with the little things so that they can do more for the kingdom. And I think that'll do more for, for that child and their discipleship as they grow in the Lord than anything. Any parting advice for us? Um, I think I just summed it all up in that yeah. last question of, of love your kids. I, I'll, I guess I'll leave it with this. Um, uh, I believe, and I use this in discipleship, that... Um, 
people are best discipled by leaders, not managers. Managers push people. Managers tell people what they have to do. Leaders draw people. Leaders lead by example. Leaders tend to ask questions and, and try to pull the value and the talent talent out of people, whereas managers just tell people to get a job done. And, and there are times at home that we have to manage our households and tell kids to clean up their room or they're going to get in trouble. Yeah. But when it comes to ministry, it's way better to try and lead uh, with love and from a questioning perspective. And if you ask your child if they'd like to give money to the homeless person for you and they say no, okay. Mm-hmm. Let them see you do it and try again next time. And, you know, just just love them through it and uh, and let their heart open up to it as they uh, as they see you doing it. Your heart of love towards them is going to become attractive, and they're going to blossom up to to uh, working with you in those scenarios as opposed to you telling them that they need to or they should. Right. So so always just use love and, and lead them in the direction of Christ, and uh, and and they'll blossom. That's good. And you, you answered my follow-up question also. So that's, that's great. So Justin and Josiah have shared some amazing stuff. Now I'm turning my attention to you as the listener. I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. If you've gotten something from this conversation, if this is going to change something about how you relate to children or grandchildren or the people you know, I just ask that you visit the show notes page and leave a comment. Just let us know what's what's going on, what what you're going to do, and then come back and let us know what happened. This is a way that you can kind of keep yourself accountable to actually do what God's been revealing to you. Thanks so much for joining us. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Justin and Josiah for taking the time to do this. They took the time to drive to me, and I really appreciate that. It was more than just a couple minutes drive. I also want to mention that sometimes it can be a little bit tough to get behind the microphone and share stories with perhaps a few hundred people that you've never met and know that it's going to be out there and that people are going to be hearing your voice, sharing your stories. So I appreciate them doing this. I do hope that you found this really valuable and that you enjoyed it. I would like to ask one, well, actually a couple of things from you. First, if there was anything that you found valuable that you've taken away that might make a difference in your life or the lives of your friends and family, please leave a comment in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Justin and Josiah. Of course, that's only if it's something that you're comfortable sharing. And second, I would ask that if you know somebody who might benefit from this series, please let them know about it. And Oh, and I guess one other thing I forgot. Would you please pray for us as we're putting this together? Because we want this to be a really valuable series, something that impacts your life and the lives of the people around you. We, we need for God to be in the middle of this, for it to be of any value at all. So we just ask that you would pray. I've experienced a little bit of challenge getting this together. We've had scheduling problems. You know, nothing that's not overcomable, nothing that God can't take care of, but there have been some challenges. So I would ask for your prayer because we want to be able to put this out there and make it really useful. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.